Welcome to 7 Questions About Death. I'm Beth Jansen. Most people are pretty uncomfortable talking about death. I hope this program can help to change that and make death a more natural topic of conversation. Today's guest is Steve. He's a writer and he lives in Prince Edward Island. So we went in behind the curtain. The body was wrapped in a sheet and Reg said to me, take the feet. Question one. What do you believe happens to a person's consciousness or spirit after the body dies? Well, it's always an interesting question. It's interesting language because we talk about consciousness, we talk about spirit. I think energy is an interesting uh, word to use as well. And so I'll think of it more as energy. I mean, I have a very generalized way of thinking about it. I do believe in uh, transmigration, and I believe that the energy or the spirit leaves the body. It's not a candle. It's not a snuffing out. I believe there is a transition that happens. The way I imagine it is very generalized. I've probably read this somewhere. I always think of it as a kind of cosmic pool of some kind. And then there is a transmigration where it enters another being, another body. So I believe that that process is there. I believe that things pass on. I mean, I believe in cycles and the cyclical nature of life. So do you believe that any of the aspects of the consciousness that you have now are carried forward? For some reason, I want to say no. I say that gets erased somehow. Although, you know, what are we carrying from our people that we've come from, from the past lives that we may have inhabited? Well, I've said no, but now I'm tending to think that there is uh, traces of something I don't know if it's knowledge. I think it goes towards instincts. And I believe very much in gut instincts and following gut instincts. And I think it's something that we have to do uh, in every part of our lives. And so I'm sure that is an accumulation of past lives. Question two. Have you ever been present when someone else's life ended? Not a person. Animals. Uh, We had two cats put down, so we were present when that happened. And that was an interesting, very uh, difficult experience for me. And I like these cats. Both cats were sisters. And the first time probably have been the first time I'd ever seen anything die, person, animal, a living thing. My reaction was visceral. It was traumatic. I was breaking down. And I think it brought up stuff for me because my mother died when I was young. And it's not something I think about a lot, but I think it brought up that moment of finding out 
when my father had to tell me that. I think a lot of that felt somewhat similar. So it was very difficult. And then the sister cat had to be put down exactly the same time the following year uh, in January. And that was not as visceral. It was sad. You know, it was hard to see her go, but it was not the same thing. I think I was more prepared, maybe. I don't know what it was. So only these cats, not people. I have dealt with dead bodies when I was um, a teenager. I was 17. I lived in England. I worked in a geriatrics hospital not long, only for two weeks. So I was a porter, which means I just brought things here and there, and there was a bunch of us. And it was a kind of rite of passage in this hospital. All the patients were old, so you know many of them died. And so there was a man who was the kind of head of the mortuary. He looked like a mortician, very gaunt, and he spoke in a very low voice. And, and I think he put it on a bit. And um, I could see him whispering to some of the other porters, and they were kind of looking my way, and I knew something was up. And he said, come with me. We're going to go transport a body. I went, oh, okay. And there was a protocol. You had to wear a tie, put on a tie, or they gave me a tie. And we went into a ward, open beds. It was an open ward, except one bed had a curtain around it. So we went in behind the curtain. The body was wrapped in a sheet. And Reg said to me, take the feet. And I went, oh, Okay. And so I held on to the feet that were wrapped in the sheet and they were still warm. And that kind of really took me by surprise and went, oh, wow, this is like minutes. It's happened. And then we had to lift it out of the bed into this wagon. And, you know, that phrase dead weight, I suddenly understood what it meant. That was about the heaviest thing I ever had to lift. It sounds like that experience with the dead body would be quite shocking. Yeah, I mean, it was shocking. Yeah, just because I was I was scared, I guess, but not too scared. I mean, I just, I didn't faint. I sort of rose to the occasion and was able to do what was asked of me to do. I don't know. I guess I was scared and then I wasn't scared. And I went, oh, it's warm. The feet are warm. Oh, it's heavy. Oh, it's just a, it's a husk. It's a husk. And so I understood that aspect of death, that what's left behind is like the rind of a fruit or something. But when you were present for the cat's passing, it brought up a lot of emotions in you. Well, the, that was the actual. They were alive one minute and then they were gone. So I got to witness that leaving, that leave-taking. I think what struck me about that experience was the finality. The finality of where we are, this life, going to another dimension, another realm, another existence of something. And I guess I still wanted to believe that there was an existence, even though the finality of it was so present, was so there. The cat was like, looking at it or stroking it and then quiet. Yeah, the death of pets can be very, very 
sad and emotional. Oh, you develop a relationship with them. We have chickens and uh, a few of them have died and it's tough. It is tough. Question three. Have you ever experienced communication from someone who is no longer alive in the physical world? Or have you wondered if you were receiving communication from someone who has passed on? I've never received a communication that I recognized as someone trying to communicate with me. I mean, directly. I don't know what form that would take, a voice, uh, whispering. That's how I imagine those things. And sort of nothing like that ever happened. But then, you know, there's dreams. So I often dream about my father, dream about my brother. Interestingly, I never dream about my mother. So, you know, are those communications? It's quite possible that they are. And I do sometimes have experiences, just like small things, you know, where I tend to think something else has been, whether that's someone who's trying to contact me. I've never felt that. I never felt that at all. It sounded like you're about to say that you felt a presence. Well, call it a presence. You hear a knock, you feel something, you feel a shiver. I don't know what it is. Something that makes you sort of aware, something. I don't know. I sometimes see shadows, and it's my shadow. But at first you think, oh, it's another shadow, and maybe you're supposed to think that. You know, maybe that is a form. I, I never know. If I think that there's something there, then I think, well, maybe there was. And you hear noises. You hear everything. And sometimes you think, well, wow, that was weird. What was that? But I've never felt, oh, they were trying to contact me. That's never been my experience at all. But I often do think of particularly my father and my brother. They're often in my thoughts. And that's quite possibly a, a way of them trying to contact me. I don't know. I'm creating something. But I believe that what we create, what we imagine, can very well have a, a connection to something that is outside of ourselves, as well as being part of something inside of ourselves. Because I really believe that life and death, I think it's only like a thread between the two, right? We tend to think of life as being here and death is something up there, or they are up there, right? They're in heaven, whatever you want to think about that. I think they're much closer than you think. I think uh, life and death are, as I, I think, as I said before, adjacent. They're very much side by side in some way. Question four. Who do you want to be with you when you die? And what circumstances would you choose if you could choose them for your death? I have different thoughts on that because I guess the person I would want to be with me when I die would be Thelma, my wife. And 
And yet, I don't know that I want her there only because, you know, the whole business of dying is about letting go. That's how I obviously understand it. And I don't know what that process is. And that process scares me. And so I guess to have someone there who would help you with that could be good. But it's a big responsibility for that person. And part of me doesn't want to uh, put that on someone else, particularly a loved one. I guess also I, I feel there's something very private about death. It's very similar to life. You know, we're all together in life, and yet each of us are alone. We deal with what we deal with on our own, even when we have someone to help us, someone to talk things through or whatever. It really is finally up to you to see your way through whatever is going on. And I think death is the same thing. And so part of me would want to be alone. And so to answer the second part of your question, which is uh, the circumstances, I think I want to be sitting. <laughs> I don't think I want to be lying down. I think sitting would be the right thing. And I imagine, you know, if I could be sitting here in my office, in my armchair, probably with my laptop working on that sentence or whatever, or editing or researching or whatever it is, doing something that is important to me. You always hear that about performers. I want to die on stage. And I guess I want that to happen, or I think it would be something like that. Or reading a book. You know what? Reading a book, I hadn't thought of that, but yes, reading a book would be perfect. You know, that great image that you read and go, okay, I'm out. Mic drop. Yeah, that's actually appeals to me a lot too sitting in an armchair reading a book I love to read and just uh, sort of slipping away yeah I want to go back for a moment to make sure I understand the letting go you're talking about has to do with you letting go when you die is that what you're saying that's right yeah the actual process of dying death is one thing you know that kind of excites me to be honest I'm kind of excited to see what's coming I hope it'll be interesting. But the actual letting go, the survival instinct in us is so strong that the actual letting go, I assume it's somewhat traumatic. I assume it's very, very difficult. It's a transition. It's a major transition. You're listening to CJSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton. You're listening to Seven Questions About Death. I'm Beth Jansen. If you'd like to be interviewed, or if you have a comment about the show, please get in touch. My email is sevenquestionsaboutdeath at gmail.com. The seven is the number seven. Question five. How do you feel about the fact that you will die? Are you afraid of your death? Yeah, I don't know how I feel that I'm going to die. I think all my life I've taken it for granted and I'm 
you know, I'm 67. And so I really don't think about it a little more, but I do sometimes, you know, it's going to happen. Like there's really not much that you can do about it. I'm not afraid of it. I'm not afraid of the idea of it. I kind of want to get everything done, but (laughs) you know you're not going to, and that's okay. Uh, You won't be able to read all those books that are in a huge pile right here. Not going to finish all the stories that I, you know, have in my head. I'm not afraid of I will die. I'm afraid of how it's going to happen. There's that because we don't know, and I guess I don't want to know. I always imagine, you know, whatever weird way, you know, we've talked about the ideal way of how the circumstance, but the less than ideal circumstance of a, an accident or whatever it is, and you kind of go, wow, is this, the, is this it? That's your final thought. Usually you see that in films and stuff. Wow, so this is how it ends. I guess that could be interesting in some way. I, I think the thing that would really bother me, I'd say, wow, this is a weird way to go. I'd love to write a story about this. Oh, man. Yeah, you can't file it away for future material. Mm. Yeah, let me make some notes. Hold on. But um, I try not to be afraid, but there is an element of fear for sure. Question six. Are there any traditions or practices connected with death which you find meaningful? Not particularly. I'm Jewish, and I remember when my father died, I was told by other people, well, now it's part of the tradition that you say a prayer for them for a full year. You do this, I think, every week. Honestly, I don't know what it is. And they were saying, you know, this is what you should, you're supposed to, I wasn't doing it. I'm just not doing it. I'm not that invested in the religious aspects of my Jewish identity. You know, there's no real traditions. I think the one thing that I think is good is the idea of, uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to use the right word, the memorial, the people who gather to tell stories and talk about the person who's passed. I think that is a good thing. I have this idea, this is like such a mortal human idea, that what helps the person, the spirit, the energy that has passed on go through their transmigration is that the living remember them or the living share stories. Even if they're remembered by only one person, who does remember them? That has a connection that helps somehow their movement into the next realm. And so I think something like that is a good thing. It's good for us as humans to help us with that loss, for sure. So that, and a very informal. There's nothing too traditional. Like, you know, in the Jewish religion, we have what's called the Shiva which is Shiva means week. And so we have a week of sitting and your family do nothing. The men don't shave. No one cooks. People bring food to the house. You sit on low chairs, low to the ground. 
And in the evening, the rabbi comes and say the prayer of the dead. I went through one shiva. I understand how it brings comfort. I didn't feel the comfort. It didn't really connect with me. I've only been to one funeral in my life, which was my father's funeral. My mother died when I was nine, and my father kept me from going to the funeral, which was fine with me, but uh, he thought it would be too traumatic for me. I think this is part of what you were asking me before about the traditions of it. I feel, I don't know, I believe in the privacy of mourning, too. I understand the group need for it, of sharing. You know, if that will help, you should do it. But I'm very, very much believe in the, the privacy of mourning. And that's going to happen anyway. And so, again, we're all here together, but we really are alone. We have to process this on our own. You've written some really powerful works of fiction and poetry that are like memorials or elegies for important people that passed on in your life. Would you say that's a personal tradition? Those came about from personal needs, from me needing to process my relationship with those people. I wrote this cycle of poems for my mother it wasn't for my mother. It's. It was really about, it was a very bizarre thing. My sister and I would meet in Montreal. And part of always meeting in Montreal, we do it every year. We would go to my mother's uh, grave. And she's buried in a very large cemetery that's quite crowded. And we would enter through a certain way. There were different entrances. And this was part of almost like a tradition. It's almost like a comic tradition that we couldn't find her grave. We would wander through this vast cemetery and go, I think it's here. No, I think we should go this way. No, it's near trees. See those trees? And once we finally got it together to go to a front office and say, can we have a map of the cemetery? And found it very easily after that. But it was a weird kind of rite of passage almost, like that we couldn't find her grave and we'd had to find it. So I wrote a poem about that. Yeah, those don't come out of any kind of a me traditionally trying to remember. It's always me trying to work something out. I mean, that's what writing's about. We're working something out, something that's bothering us. That's so interesting. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Question 7 If you could ask a source of all knowledge some questions about death, what would you ask? Well, here's the thing. I believe in the mystery of things, and I believe we have to honor the mystery of things. But I guess if I could ask something. I would like to know something about the process, the process of dying. And since I believe in the transmigration, you know, what is it? What happens? You know, how does it work? How is it chosen where this energy or soul goes next? What body? Is it all thought out beforehand? This person will be the next life of that person, or is there a randomness to it, or 
Is there a momentary thing? Because if you want to believe in karma, karma has to do with how well you lived your life. You know, so that sort of goes on to do they know all that beforehand or it really comes into the idea of predestination and free will. I believe both things happen and that predestination is dominant and that it allows enough wiggle room, I'll call it, wiggle room for free will and that you have a path that you're going on and you have a way of a sort of destination that you're going towards. But within that, you make choices and the choices can take you wildly off track. But at some point, you might get back on track. I don't know. I mean, I don't have it all worked out. But I do believe in those two things. And so I'd like to know how that fits into a larger scheme of things. What happens after when we die? Yeah, I think that. I just want a clue as to what's going to happen. That's all. No spoilers. I don't want the spoilers. I want to be surprised, too. So you don't want the map? Yeah, no, that's it. I don't want the map. You're right. I said, here's the map. Thanks. I think I'll just find my own way. <laughs> it's near the trees. I know it's near the trees. So we'll just head towards the trees. <laughs> Father, do the best he My thanks to today's guest, Steve. Steve is a writer, and he lives on Prince Edward Island. We were just listening to an excerpt from Steve Miller Band, Motherless Children. You've been listening to Seven Questions About Death. I'm Beth Jansen. If you're interested in being interviewed, Or if you have a comment or a question, please get in touch. My email is sevenquestionsaboutdeath at gmail.com. The seven is a number seven. Thanks for listening.